sight. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Thank you so much for tuning in on a Saturday morning. Hello. Welcome to Green and Growing. I'm your host, Ashley Frasca, here Monday through Friday. Still allowed to broadcast from the building. I am. But, man, our our staff here on the first, second, and third floors, we have Channel 2 Action News on the third floor. We are depleted by, I think, 70% of our folks here in the building are working from home. So even yesterday when I left around 11 a.m., the parking deck looked like a Saturday morning. So now, it being a Saturday morning, it looks like a Saturday morning. But uh, still here with you in studio. Hope everyone is faring well out there. It's only week one of being cooped up with your family. But there's so many outdoor activities that you can do. And today is going to be a nice day. There's a chance for showers. But yesterday and Thursday were just absolutely beautiful for me. So a great time to get out and enjoy the outdoors. Just leave your cell phones inside and go outside with the family. Find some things to do. Every yard could be tidied up for sure. So with that being said, you're cooped up with the family and the kids still need to learn. You've got to keep their brains engaged. and You've got to keep them active. So I'm really honored that the Weather Channel reached out to uh, Walter and I a few days ago. They want to do some pieces about activities that can be done with children and just keeping folks engaged and inviting folks to explore the outdoors. So I'm going to be on the Weather Channel tomorrow morning around 1045 on a show called Weekend Recharge. Uh, Liana and Paul are the hosts there and really excited to be on that show. It airs from 9 to 1, I believe. But I'm going to debut uh, a family activity that I have created for everybody to get outside and kind of a little science lesson for the kids. Probably for the younger ages, I would say 5 to 10 would benefit most greatly from this activity. And I'm also going to give you a little inside information. I'm going to encourage starting seed indoors. I'm not one that's panicking that, you know, is going to want plant the vegetable plants now because we need fruit sooner. Like, I I think we're going to be fine. So if you have the patience to start uh, your warm season vegetables from seed If you've got six to eight weeks to allow, start the seeds now, and then you're going to be happy to put those out in the summertime. So that's one of the two things I'm really going to cover with the folks on the Weather Channel tomorrow is how fun and how easy of an activity it is to start seed indoors with the kids. So I hope you'll be able to tune in and see that. I'm a little bit nervous about how it's going to go. We're going to use Skype because we're all not supposed to be in contact with one another. So I've already got the laptop set up and all that. But I'm here with you for another hour on Green and Growing, answering some great garden questions, 404 Hey, John and Smyrna, you've been very patient. Good morning. Hey, Ashley, love your show. Thanks, I sir. especially like the things to do this weekend segment. It gives me a to-do list every Saturday morning. You know, I really uh, appreciate that. And that was kind of my thought in doing it. Like you go out to the yard and you're like, okay, I know a lot needs to be done, but I'm a little overwhelmed. So I hope that makes it easier just to hone in on some basic things that are timely that need to be done. So thank you. It absolutely does. Uh, Zoe's just saw it. I got mm-hmm. two questions. I did the pre-emergence last fall and it's, it's almost like it was a weed fertilizer. Oh, no. I mean, the weeds are going crazy right now. Should I put it on again? A pre-emergent, yeah, absolutely. Well, a spring pre-emergent is what you're going to be doing now, and that's going to prevent the summer weeds. So, you know, the ones that you experienced in the in the fall and the winter, of probably they're starting to die off now. They're not going to be around much longer. But, yes, you've got to do continuous cycles of fall and spring pre-emergence to really keep everything at bay it's going to take over a year to get all of them at once though but yeah absolutely now and then maybe in uh, may or june as well 
Okay, and are there spring ones and fall ones, or is it the same kind? I just put it on different times. Um, hmm, that is a great question. I think it's all the same. Yeah, it's all the same. It's all going to be the same okay. brand, the same bag, because basically any pre-emergent, it's indiscriminate where it's just going to go after weeds that come up from seed. So any time of the year that, that those weeds are popping up, the pre-emergent's going to work all the same. Okay. And de-thatching. Should I do that now? I've well, seen people doing that. First of all, let's discover if you need to. That's oversold to a lot of homeowners that they're told they need to dethatch Bermuda and Zoysia lawn. So first of all, for those, you've heard it, a lot of you have, and you may not know, just the little bits and pieces of grass that die and are laying on top of the soil. So you see that little bit of brown before you start to see the green in it, just as like a thick mat, almost carpet. a carpet. So, John, with you first, you want to ask yourself, is that thatch at least half an inch thick or thicker? Uh, I don't think it is. Okay, if it's less than half an inch thick, I really wouldn't worry. Some of it's actually good. I mean, it can be organic, but it's when it gets to be too thick that it's going to choke out you know, the grass that's trying to grow, it limits the soil to get the water and the sunlight and the nutrients that it needs. So really, you are okay if it is less than half an inch. But if it's more than that, then that's really when you're going to need to go to another method, either dethatching or aerating. And aerating, that may not be a bad, you know, idea anyways, but it is going to tear up the lawn a little bit when you aerate in the summertime. So that's something to keep in mind. Very good. Thank you, Ashley. Yeah, I just saved you a little bit of work, I hope. You did. Woohoo. All right. Thank you so much for listening, John. I really appreciate that. So, yeah, my advice, you know, check the thatch layer first. Don't create more work for yourself than you need to. And then when, you know, it's everything's starting to kind of actively grow now. Make sure if you do have to aerate in early summer, 12 holes per square foot. That's really if you need like aggressive dethatching. And also, if you find a lot of thatch, you need to fertilize right after you've dethatched to help the grass recover and all of that kind of thing. So great question, John. I'm really glad you called 404-872-0750. Marcus in Atlanta, good morning. You're on Green and Growing. Hey, good morning, Ashley. Hey. How you doing? Just fine. Better now that I heard from you. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm a first-time <laughs> caller, and, I'm just, and I listen to the show a lot. And uh, I was wondering, I just purchased a house, and it got a, I don't think so. I don't think so. A general rule of thumb around the South, it seems everyone starts to prune those crepe myrtles late in the fall, which is fine. And honestly, Marcus, they don't need a lot of pruning anyways. You see some that have been cut back just so dramatically. And just because you see that most often does not mean it is the right way at all. But for to get yours under control, you can do a little light pruning right now. So I would, if it's just kind of overgrown and all crazy and it's got a lot of limbs and things, a rule of thumb that I would follow if you want to, you know, tidy it up a little bit now. Anything that is about as big around as your pinky or smaller, like pencil-like size limbs and little twigs and things, you can cut those out. And that's oh, going to okay. be okay. Yeah, but I mean, we still oh. want it to flush out. We still want it to have blooms on it coming up. So I wouldn't go crazy or else you're really going to limit, you know, some of the showy color that it'll get. Yeah, okay, uh, so am I have, like, limbs going out from the side of it, about the side of your arm, that wouldn't be a good idea to cut in, right? The, the branches that are growing out from the side of it? Yeah, growing out toward the house and everywhere. You'll say that's okay. 
Yeah, I wouldn't. That's going to put a lot of stress on it. If you're taking something, you know, a limb out that's as big around as your arm, that's that's going to yeah. stress it. So now's probably not the time to do that. No, do more of your pruning toward the tips and the ends rather than going in toward the trunk for anything heavy duty yeah. right now. But with this, I want to make sure it is a crepe myrtle. Like, you've got multiple trunks, right? Like, crepe myrtles generally can have three or four trunks, you know, and they've got kind of that brownish, grayish, two different colors along the trunks, yeah? Yeah, it's like a smooth, finished tree, but it yeah. got, like, branches growing out from the side of it. Okay. Yeah, and two, you know, be on the lookout for suckers. Crepe myrtles are famous for, you know, shooting off the suckers from the ground, and Sometimes if you leave those too long, I mean, those are going to grow into, they want to grow into a new trunk and it's really going to start to compete. So keep the suckers at bay. Those are going to go nuts here in a month or two. So those, you can always just walk by that and cut those back down to the ground. Awesome. I appreciate you calling. Thank you so much. And I invite you to call back some more, Marcus. Once you get out and about and start seeing things that need to be done, definitely give me a call. 404-872-0750. Decatur has been a popular place this morning. Good morning, Karen. How are you? Good, good. Um, I'm, I'm a, I go, grow great cut flowers, but when it comes to lawns, not so much. <laughs> and and, and I've cut, I'll bring some cut flowers in when they go. Yay, they go. all right. But, um, and I've got this lawn that's very weedy, and I'm trying to identify a weed because I always believe that you should know your enemy if you're going to do battle with it. Yes. And I've got this weed. It's a common weed, but nobody, I mean, I've been to Pikes, a couple other places. Nobody's been able to identify it. It's about six to eight inches high. It has these long stalks that go up from the base of little irregular shaped leaves at the bottom that kind of grow flat. But the stalks that go up that have the seed heads on them, um, about, like I said, six to eight inches. And the seed heads, they're long, skinny little things about maybe a half inch long. And please say they're white. No, well, they yeah, they're kind of whitish when they're yellowish, whitish when they're, you know, seed heads. And when you walk, like if you walk through them, they just go spoing. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> That's what is I'm... it? Hairy bittercress is that weed, and I've already been asked about that this morning as well. That's why I was like, please be the same one. That's going to be really easy for me to answer. Hairy bittercress. Yeah, it it goes crazy because of those seed heads at the top. They they kind of remind me of Tic Tacs. I don't know if that's an accurate description. Maybe well, small. Well, they're longer than that, but they go, this goes spoing. Yeah, it's so fly off as soon as you touch them. And that is how it's going to just keep seeding your lawn yeah. over and over and over to where you'll never get rid of it. So, yeah, hairy bittercress, that's more should than just, likely what you have. Yeah, so I just put a pre-emergent out. I mean, well, I'm, I'm going to try to kill the whole lawn and start over, but oh. if I'm going to seed it, um, yeah, obviously. You know, I, okay, so yeah, for folks new to all of this stuff, a pre-emergent that Karen is, you know, wondering if she should do a pre-emergent is going to go ahead and attack any new seeds from germinating, so they see? don't even have a chance to start. And then if you seed your lawn, that pre-emergent is still going to see that as seed and go, oh, I'm going to kill you too. So yeah, you never do the two, you know, any closer than eight weeks together. But for now, to treat what you've got, I would just get like Weed Beater Complete. That is a good product made by Bonide. Weed beater right. complete. That is that is a really good weed uh, product because it does grassy, it does broadleaf, it does all that. And I know okay. even manual removal is next to impossible with these little guys because they're everywhere. And like you said, you touch them and they just spring out. And what did you, you say that, that it's called? Weed. Hairy bitter? 
Uh, oh, no, Harry, no, Harry Bittercrest. I have no idea. I probably need to do some research on where that name comes okay. from. But Harry Bittercrest, yep, that's what you've got. So, Karen, for now, I would do the Weed Beater Complete. And if cool. you're thinking anytime soon about seeding your lawn, then I'd hold off on the pre-emergent. Okay. Okay. All right, great. Well, thank you so much. Yes, thank when you. I get some, when my cut flowers get going, I'll bring you bouquet. I would love it when we can all get back out and about and hug each other and oh, shake yeah. hands and do all that. I would love that. I'm so glad you called, Karen. Thank you so much. It's 819. You're listening to Green and Growing on 95.5 WSB. Scott Slade here on your WSB Weekend. Enjoy Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca and Dave Baker's Home Fix It this morning on 95.5 WSB. The WSB News Team, meteorologist Kirk Mellish and I will be here Monday morning with Atlanta's Morning News. Here's Ashley. Hey, we're back on uh, Green and Growing, 95.5 WSB. I, I've had trouble with my coffee for like the last half hour. It made me late coming back, and now I can't drink out of the cup without it spilling all over the front of my face. So I'm a little bit of a mess. <laughs> I'm glad to tell you that there's only half an hour of this show left. I've been all over the place. 404 is the number. So many of you have called for the first time today. I'm really proud of that. We've had... At least three first-time callers who literally just caught the name of the show and the phone number. And like Chris from Conyers was one, Marcus from Atlanta. I am really glad you guys called. And I hope now more than ever you're depending on WSB. We thank you for trusting us with all the craziness that's going on. We have up-to-the-minute live news all the time, every hour. So stay connected with us through the weekend. We're here to keep you company. We're here to take your mind off of everything. And I hope gardening is one of those things that you're able to do and makes you happy. So the forecast brought to you by Finley Roofing. You want to know what it's going to be like today? Pretty pleasant, around 73 degrees. Some showers are coming and going. It was drizzling on me on my way in prior to 6 a.m., but I think some have moved through. Tomorrow, though, 70% chance for showers throughout metro Atlanta. It's going to cool things off a bit high, only in the low 60s and lows around 53. So your complete weather forecast is going to come up from meteorologist Kirk Mellish here in just a few minutes on 95.5 WSB. Phyllis, I've got just a minute or two, and you've got a great question you're calling from Hampton. Good morning. Real real quick, and but real quick, I'm amazed that you're able to juggle this and, as well as your traffic <laughs> duties, and I love the name of the show Thank or the you. new name of the show. I appreciate I'm in my, that. Thank you. I'm in my 70s with age-related health problems. I want to be able to do a vegetable garden, but I cannot do a traditional where I'm bending and weeding and everything else. If I wanted to do a raised bed vegetable garden for mm-hmm. the traditionals, you know, lettuce, tomatoes, zucchini, you know, whatever, you know, is that practical or would it need to be a, veg, uh, a container-type garden? And I know you're short on time. I would ideally put the raised vegetable garden on my raised deck. Um, I have a 400-square-foot raised deck. I would say take 50, no more than 100 square feet of that for the raised. But I don't know if the deck could handle the weight of the dirt. So I'll let you take over from now and advise me. So, Phyllis, I think you're spot on. You're taking everything into consideration. Space is definitely a consideration. And what you have time to maintain, you're going to really need to spend a lot less time when you have containers versus a full-on raised bed that may be, you know, five feet by two or three feet or something like that. So on a deck, I would advocate for container gardening. Um, and a raised bed is is a great idea if you just have a little more of a flat area and some room to move around. But 
large containers are going to do just fine. I mean, people in townhomes and apartments and all of that have great success, especially with tomato plants. And keep in mind, you can do vertical gardening, too, if you at least have a little bit of space for good air circulation and to space those plants. Cucumbers, squash, melons, you can do those vertically, too, with trellises. And that may really be something of interest on your deck that people would love to look at as well. And also, I want to tell you about Earthbox. I had Eric Erickson on the show about a month ago. And he turned me on to Earthbox. If you just look that up online, Earthbox, that is a really cool way to container garden. They send you everything you need, and it almost seems foolproof. So, Phyllis, I would like to hear back from you and kind of keep us up to date on what you decide. But for your purposes, container is going to be better than raised. Happy gardening. I hope you have a lot of success with all the different things you want to try. We're going to have to sneak out here, but we'll be back on 95.5 WSB. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Hey, welcome back to Green and Growing on 95.5 WSB. Very glad to be along with you for just one more half hour. And then Dave Baker is coming up. Something funny that he just put on social media talking about toilet paper. Maybe clogging your toilets and things because everyone is just... With the rush on toilet paper. So who knows what's going to come up on the Home Fix-It show, 9 to noon. Well, I want to bring on a special guest today from Pike Nursery. We have Desiree Hyman on the line, if I can hit the right button. Good morning, Desiree. Thank you so much for calling in. Good morning, Ashley. How are you doing? Very good, and I hope you're well. I know at Pike Nursery, you guys are staying ahead of the curve and really putting customers and employees first. And it's been a, a week to juggle a lot, hasn't it? It's been a crazy week for everyone, but yes, safety is always our number one priority. Yeah, so I mean, in mind, we've actually added kind of two services. So, you know, we're open today from nine to five. You can come in, select your items. We have some different procedures in place to make sure we're doing social distancing. But if you would rather, you can also place an order over the phone, or you can actually go to our website, pikenursery.com, and request your items online. And we can either do curbside pickup or delivery. And a friend of mine, his wife went on Pike Nursery's website and ordered an umbrella, you know, just for the, the patio furniture outside. Had no problems driving over to the Lindbergh location and picking it right up. That's great. Great. Yeah, we, we're trying to make it easy and, you know, being safe for everyone. But we still understand it's spring and as we're at, in our yards and houses, maybe a little bit more that we still want you know, fresh flowers growing and, and veggies and all of that. So we're, we're still trying to make sure that we can get everyone playing in the dirt. Yeah, and your, your associates and employee owners are so wonderful and really like to get in there with customers and can talk for hours. They all have a passion about gardening, but I, I really hope it doesn't go unnoticed hammering home the point of social distancing, whether you're with the folks in the grocery store, at the nursery, you know, in the fast food restaurants that you're just doing the drive through. I mean, really respect people's space. That's so important right now. So speaking of space, Desiree, I think everyone's evaluating their lawns right now thinking, do I have the space for a vegetable garden? I've never done one before. Now might be a good time to think about that. But you've done some historical research and tell us what you found about gardens. We have. So when we look at times in the past that our country's kind of had to band together and 
and go over a challenge, we found that people retreat to their garden and they start creating victory gardens. So in the past, you know, throughout the U.S., they've done 2 million private victory gardens, you know, and basically what a victory garden is is an edible garden. Mm -hmm. So it's really a garden that has, you know, your favorite tomatoes, peppers, strawberries, blueberries, herbs, you name it, whatever you like to eat. And people create that victory garden or edible garden in their own backyard and start growing their own produce. Really, the idea behind a victory garden, you know, as, as you did the research, Desiree, World War One and Two to help the, the war effort and just make people a little more self-sufficient, but also that idea of unification. I mean, if one thing we're all doing, we're not all driving right now, we're not all in traffic right now as we typically are together, but this is something where we can all band together, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And we know there's so many benefits to getting outside and and we want to connect. That's that's what people do. So if there's a good way to do it and, you know, hopefully, you know, we're not trying to compare this to, to war. We know those are much different times and we're thankful that we're not in that situation. But growing your own produce, the worst that happens is this moves through quickly. And all of a sudden we've had a bunch of tomatoes in our backyard <laughs> to share with them. You friends, share. And whatnot. And exactly. If that's well, the worst case scenario. We're going to take it. Right. And tell us one more time um, about the different ways Pike customers can now shop your stores. Yes, we will be open today from 9 to 5. So you can come in and shop our stores like you always have. Um, there are a few, you know, as we talked about, little social distancing items. But you can also go on our website, pikenursery.com, request your items there, or you can give us a call. So is, and- there, is there one number they call or just their local store? Their local store. Okay. Desiree, thank you so much for your time. I'm glad you checked in and you're updating y'all's customers just as well as you can. And they need to follow you on social media, too. They do. So any changes we'll be posting on our website and also social media. So Instagram and Facebook, Pike Nurseries. Great. Desiree, have a wonderful weekend. Thanks for checking in. Thank you. Let's get out and enjoy the sunshine today. Indeed. Well, I'm joined by a longtime friend of the Lawn and Garden Show. Norm Mitliner has known Walter Reeves for years, and now he's with me on Green and Growing. Norm, I can't wait to introduce you to the listeners of the show. Ashley, I thank you for having me on. Norm and I have known each other for a couple of years. Based out of Atlanta here, a certified aesthetic pruner. You know every variety of Japanese maple there is to know, right? Well, pretty close. There's new ones every day. With all of the bad news lately or the worrisome news that we've been listening to, Norm, you're going to kind of bring us back to reality of just stopping and seeing the beauty in life. The work you get to do, whether it's pruning or stone setting or installations in people's landscapes, you've done some beautiful work for a lot of homes and people here in Metro Atlanta. Tell us a little bit about the work you've done. I have a little over 50 clients. It ranges from obviously taking care of their Japanese maples to just recently, you know, taking care of pruning back the paniculata hydrangeas. It's fun, and uh, I am also very pleased to maintain a Japanese garden residential here in the Atlanta area that was designed by Takeo. He's a well-known Japanese landscape architect that uh, is well-known worldwide that also did the Hotel Nico. Wow. Now the Hyatt there in Buckhead. That was uh, a real pleasure and honor. And he unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago. I still look back at those 
memories and ingested what he mentioned me to look at, and I try and incorporate that in what I do, and I'm quite pleased with the results. And you know a lot more about Japanese gardens than I do, but I would imagine everything must be done properly and balanced in order to achieve Zen in an area like that. Tell the listeners a few things, a few important plants that must be in a Japanese garden. Japanese gardens typically have a pine or several pines, black pine, Japanese maples, azaleas, because it's interesting to not only have them pruned to a shape, but also in some gardens have, you know, the spring flower Mm. color. You also will have camellias, the sasanqua, as well as the japonica, so that you have, again, extended bloom periods. Iris, if you have a water feature, which the Japanese garden I maintain has a large koi pond, we do have iris around the perimeter. I would imagine water is almost a staple for most gardens if they have the space, right? Yes, it is, um, whether it be a pond or, you know, just a little creek type feature um, or just even a dry creek bed to simulate the flow of water. You will see that often. And what about bamboo? Well, interestingly enough, this garden does have bamboo. It has forest bamboo as well as the black bamboo, which is shorter, um, and it is very invasive. (laughs) That was my Um, next question. If you had any hints or tricks for folks wanting to do it, how you can mitigate it and keep it in a smaller area. I mean, for years, Walter would say, dig a trench and then put the black plastic down. And But over time, those roots are going to almost bore through anything. There is a seam in that plastic. They will find it and then they'll go between it. So unless you have are able to get, you know, this a large roll of seamless black plastic that's, you know, pretty good thickness, you don't want something thin because, yes, it could puncture through it. Mm-hmm. Unless you're actually planting it in a concrete bed <laughs> uh, where it doesn't have the ability to escape, right. then you're going to have some runners. I've got my friend Norm Mitleider on the phone, a certified aesthetic pruner through the Aesthetic Pruners Association, if you even knew that was a thing. Norm's all around Metro Atlanta, has been for years, and does classes every year at the Atlanta Botanical Gardens and other local public gardens, so you'll be able to catch up with him there. Now, I I do want to turn our attention to Japanese maples, something that you know so much about why would pruning, a properly pruning, Japanese maples, why does that seem, I don't want to say more intimidating, but more of an art form than just pruning any other tree in their landscape, Norm? The beauty of a Japanese maple is what is in our profession known as the essence of the tree. And the essence of the Japanese maple is its beauty, its grace, and form. If you do not trim it properly, you do not bring out that total essence, and therefore the tree doesn't have the look that it should have. It's my job in each garden that I work on that I do that for the trees, and it's a big difference. That's where the aesthetic pruning comes in. Naturally, one can take a Japanese maple, use the arboricultural science, trim the tree, and it be properly done. Mm-hmm. 
but the look will not be the same as if it were done using the aesthetic pruning techniques. Many of us don't know enough about pruning, Norm, but I would ask you, with things budding out now, especially different varieties of Japanese maples that are common in our landscapes, is it too late to prune some of them now? They are starting to bud, and depending, obviously, on the size of the tree, you can certainly go and see where some of the new buds are forming on, like, the trunk of the tree or on some of the stems and branches, and you can rub those off now before they elongate, and then you'll have to prune them later because part of the art of pruning is knowing when to trim and make the smallest cuts possible. By addressing the buds now, you're making a little wound versus one later in the year that would be much larger. And pruning induces growth generally in most things in the landscape, right? So when you're going to make a cut, take off something that's maybe unnecessary to the plant, that'll allow for more energy to go into growing new parts, right? Yes, that is one of the the keys to good pruning is that you have the understanding that you're redirecting the energy of the tree. And instead of what happens a lot, with some homeowners is they get frustrated with a branch that's, you know, too close to a path and they Mm -hmm. just trim it abruptly. And so now the tree has got this dead end that it's really not sure what to do. So it reacts accordingly. And instead of it had been redirected, now it sends out multiple stems that looks terrible. Oh, boy. (laughs) So, Norm, I want you to stick around because I definitely want to cover some some things that just grate on your nerves or maybe misconceptions, things that folks could maybe learn from you and do a little bit differently in their landscape. And I want you to follow along, too, if you visit Norm's website, artofpruning.com. You'll see some beautiful pictures, really delightful pictures, things that are just gorgeous and that will inspire you to maybe take up in your landscape, whether it's Japanese maples, you've got some great hydrangeas, all kinds of things like that. We're going to take a break on Green and Growing. We'll be right back on 95.5 WS. You may have to work from home, but who says you can't have your friends over? Listen to Eric Von Hessler, Eric Erickson, and Mark Aram live on your smart speaker. Tell your device, play 95.5 WSB. Lady, I'm your knight in shining armor, and I love you. And I welcome back to the show my friend Norm Metliner. Thank you so much for joining me. Norm is a certified aesthetic pruner and a lot of experience with Japanese maples, but we're talking hydrangeas too. And Norm, your relationship with the late Penny McHenry. She's the one that founded the American Hydrangea Society. I was very fortunate to meet her. I was actually her personal pruner for a number of years up until she died. It was a great loss, but She definitely was fun to be around, and where I can, I incorporate them in the gardens that I maintain. I do have one special Penny McHenry that she gave me from her garden. Wow, how special. Uh, An amazing woman. I don't know how you can be from from the southeast and not think of her and Vince Dooley when you think of hydrangeas. I mean, those those are two of them. Biggest names I think of. Okay, so I'd like to see if, if I'm right in maybe categorizing. Let's keep things simple for folks here. Hydrangeas. You've either got macrophylla, maybe lace cap or mop head, right? 
Correct. And then paniculata, so like panicle hydrangea, more of a cone-shaped sometimes, and maybe a climbing mm-hmm. hydrangea, right? Um, there's also the serratas, which are a smaller leaf. They usually are a lace-leaf flower. Then you have the annabelles. And you told me maybe something a little new to some folks about pruning the macrophylla. I tend to want to wait until mid-April after the threat of the last frost. Uh, Naturally, sometimes we want to get out there the end of March, Mm -hmm. and then sometimes we get that late frost in early April. They are going to bloom on the old, off of the older wood, the stems that are produced will have the flower on it. And if you trim them all the way down to the base, then that new growth that comes up will not bloom. Now, it could be personal preference, but is it wrong to prune them at the end of summer after they've bloomed? That is not wrong. That's just something that I don't do. I People want a deadhead. I understand that artofpruning.com is the website where you can contact him and see some beautiful pictures of some Japanese gardens here in Atlanta and work that he's done. Japanese maples being the star, Norm, what are some things that you see as a certified aesthetic pruner you see that you just go, ah, please, homeowners, don't do this? There's the term crate murder. (laughs) Well, and we all pretty much know what that is. Yeah, you don't have to be a gardener to know it when you see it. Well, when I'm driving down the road and I see a Japanese maple that looks like that, that makes my blood curdle. Mm-hmm. It's, what are they thinking? Oh, then it's too late? <laughs> well, it's not too late. It, it's just a matter of patience and time, and you can undo what was done. You can correct some mis- major mistakes sometimes. Any more pruning advice before we part ways, Norm? When you're making your cuts, always make sure that you're cutting to a growth point and not leaving stubs. Hmm. Um, That tends to confuse the tree and make it do weird things. Then you're like Alice in Wonderland. For every cut you make, you know, you're going to have to make 10 more because (laughs) of the reaction. And we talk every year about this time, Norm, because I am just sick. Every year I miss your Japanese maple pruning class at Atlanta Botanical Gardens that same weekend. Every year I've got the Atlanta Police Memorial Ride that I do with the Blue Knights Chapter 7. But uh, the class already sold out. Tell folks a little more about that. The class is typically offered around the 20th of April. It fills up obviously fast. We're actually going to try something different next year, and there'll actually be two classes that will be offered, one in the morning and then one in the afternoon. Wonderful. Uh Well, listen, Norm Mitleider, friend of the show and certified aesthetic pruner. Folks can find you online, Art of Pruning. We need to do this again. We have a lot of stuff we could talk about. Yes, we do. (laughs) Well, Norm, I'll keep your number close by, and thank you so much for helping me out on Green and Growing, this new show. I can use all the help I can get, friend. Ashley, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Green and Growing on 95.5 WSB. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.